0: Good morning, brothers. What a great blessing it is to be able to be here. To me, it's a privilege to be able to be here. To be here during the time of this conference, to be with Pastor Alex, Pastor Steve, and all the elders in the congregation. And the invitation is a blessing. Just a, just a brief overview. I've been married for 13 years. And my son has 12 years old. Thank you for the introduction. Very happy to be here. It's a privilege. what a great opportunity to be able to speak about the ecclesiology i will be speaking like how our dear brother jose spoke about about evangelism it's a fundamental the church must be known as a church that shares the gospel like a fundamental we want we want to know what is the fundamental. The fundamental is the most important thing in the building. If the fundamental if the fun foundation is not built well, the building could fall down. It doesn't matter how well the room looks, if the foundation is not well, it can come down crashing. The word fundamental comes from the union of two Latin components. The noun fundus, which is synonymous with base or bottom, and the suffix mento, which is equivalent to instrument. We can say that the foundation is a base or background instrument on which a structure rests and develops. That is why it is important when we speak about a building. We must have solid foundations as Christians. That is why the Apostle Paul said, For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 3.11 Now, although many of you may disagree, I am convinced that in this place there are two types of people. On the one hand, there are those who are true believers. Saved by the grace and blood of Christ, these, in spite of the difficulties of life, are on the way to spiritual maturity and have as their hope eternal life with God. On the other hand, there are also those who are not true believers in this group are those who claim to be Christians. They claim to be Christians. They attend church, but are on their way to death and eternal separation from God. This is very dangerous. These are known as false converts. These are those of... Matthew seven twenty one and 23, the Lord speaks of, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So it is shown that there are two types of people. So for those in the first group, this message is important because it will give them the necessary tools to be able to proclaim the gospel faithfully. And in God's will, reach those who are outside, lost in their trespasses and sins. Those who are far away, and lost in their sins and trespasses. But for those in the second group, we can say that this message is life or death. This message is life or death, since it may be the last opportunity they have to hear the gospel in order to believe, repent, and be saved. So, regardless of which group you belong to, it is my prayer that the Lord will use this time in His Word. That He may open your eyes to bring glory to His name and benefit to His people. Before we start, um, please go with me in prayer. Before we start, let's pray. Lord, we give you glory for this time. We give you thanks for this congregation and various congregations that have come here as visitors and guests. We give you thanks for those who are able to hear us online, bringing by your blessed spirit conviction of sin. That we may grasp the truths of your word. Lord, we are so much in need of you and your blessed spirit. The revelation of your word. For the glory of your name. And we ask you these things in Jesus name. Amen. As I was telling, as I was talking about the introduction, I want to us to look at four fundamental truths about the gospel that enable you to share faithfully. We will be analyzing four fundamental truths about the gospel that enable you to share it faithfully. Four truths, fundamental truths that will equip you to share the gospel faithfully. We are going to start with the first one that we are going to be analyzing. The first truth, God is perfect. Number one, God is perfect. This is basic but fundamental. Well, what does perfect mean? What do we mean when we say God is perfect? Well, when we talk about the perfection of God... The illustrated theological dictionary tells us absolute perfection is that which pertains only to God because He is perfect, that is, without error. He has no error, He does not change. He always Maintains being the same. He never changes. He never changes. He never progresses because his has always existed and will always exist. He will always be perfect. Likewise, since he is perfect, we must know and proclaim that He is also the creator of everything. He is the Father who is in the heavens. As I said, we must know that there are two things that we must always know and understand. Number one is God is the creator of everything. When, when we share the gospel with someone, we must share the perfection of God. We must share that God is the creator of everything. God is the one who created all things from the beginning, visible and invisible. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. If you don't have the chance to go to it, you can write down these verses. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Genesis 1 1. This is what the word says In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created everything, God is a creator. No one tells God what to do, how to create it. But rather, He is a creator. He is eternal. And observe in verse 3, the verse says, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. We start seeing how God in the narrative started created everything one by one. And he didn't need help from anyone. And verse 6, observe this. Then God said, He gave an order for something to exist. Verse 7, and God made the expanse. Verse 9, God also said, Verse 11, then said God, Let there be light. Verse 14, And God said, Let there be light. Verse 21 And God created the great sea monsters. And every living thing that is moveth, which the waters brought forth after the, his kind, and every winged fowl after his own kind. We see that God never was, God never received the direction of man to how to create everything. In Isaiah chapter 44, verse 24 says, I am the Lord who makes all things, who stretches out the heavens alone, who stretches out the earth by myself. Jehovah is the creator. He is the one who created all things. Revelation four eleven From the beginning to the end we see how he has received the glory from the creation, from the beginning to the end. Revelation chapter four verse eleven. Observe what verse eleven says to chapter four. Lord, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Observe. Do We we see how in Genesis 1, all the way to Revelation, that God is the only creator of all things, that he does not need anyone. Now, since he is perfect... From beginning to the end, we see how the word is completely clear how he is the creator of all things. And we must also be the same. We must also tell everyone when we share the gospel that he is perfect. We must point that he is the creator of all things. He is also the owner of all things. He is the owner of everything. Everything belongs to God because He is the creator of everything. That is why the psalmist in Psalm 24, verse 1, Psalm 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world. David knew just as Isaiah, as He is. He is the creator of all things. In Psalm 50, verse 10, it says, For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon the hills by thousands. I know all the fowls of the mountains, and every moving thing that moveth in the field is mine. The Lord owns all things. He is the owner of everything. For his part, the Apostle Paul, he was an evangelist. Not only those who knew how to share the gospel, he wasn't afraid to share the gospel. He was stoned and he almost died and he got up. And he didn't die because of the grace of God. He got up and kept on preaching. He said, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. We, We must be faithful with the fundamentals that God has given us. But observe what Paul declared when he arrived in Athens in Acts chapter 17 verse 24. The God who made the world and all things in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is he honored by the hands of men, as though he needed anything, for it is he that giveth life to all life and breath and all things. Paul understood this fundamental truth. His hand wasn't shaking As he was proclaiming the truth of God. That he is the owner of everything. Because God is the creator of everything. This is. This is just as when a person takes out a document. It's an official document. That someone has when they invent something they give that person that patente that document this longs this gives a person the authority that he created those things God's patent never changed it He is perfect. He never changes. He is the one who can create all things out of nothing. He is the owner of everything. God is the owner of all things created. Those who are lost and not in Christ must know this fundamental truth. When you share the gospel to someone, you must point them to God, who God is. You, you cannot, you cannot go and say, I'm afraid of what they may say. No, you, if you have a solid foundation of knowing who God is, you will proclaim these truths to those who you are sharing the gospel. Just show that God is the owner of all things as you share the gospel. If they have a problem with that, let the, let them take it up with God. The fundamental truth is that God is the creator and the owner of everything. So, brothers, we must, when we share the gospel, we must point to others the truth about who God is. It is not, yes, God has a, it is not God loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. It is because if that is the reality, then it is a a false understanding of the gospel. We cannot convince people of nice phrases. We must share them the truth, fundamental truth of the scriptures of who God is. First above all, we must take those who we are sharing the gospel to, who God is, that He is perfect. Now, if you want to share the gospel faithfully there's a second step that you must do we must always we must always realize that we do not always have 1 hour to share the gospel so if you desire to share the gospel that we must Remember that God is perfect, and number two is that man is sinful. Number one is God is perfect, man is sinful, imperfect. God is perfect, man is sinful, imperfect. Let us be clear that when I say man, I am referring to the human being himself. I am not speaking of the male, but rather of both. Those that God created male and female. This is important that we say these things. Now what does it mean that man is a sinner? Well the word sin according to the original Greek amartia means to miss or err, to miss the mark. You don't have to convince the people. You just have to be faithful with preaching the word. If God has called you to preach the gospel, ask for discernment and wisdom and the strategy that you may have grace as you share the gospel to those who are not in Christ. Now again what does it mean that man is a sinner? well again the word sin according to the original Greek amartia means to miss or err to miss the mark in a more vivid way the apostle John tells us that sin is the infraction of the law first John chapter three verse when you share that God is in, that God is perfect and that man is imperfect you must point them to the scriptures that they have broken the law of God that is why Paul is so emphatic. Observe in Romans chapter three, verse ten. In Romans chapter three, verse ten, eleven, and twelve. Romans chapter three, verses ten and twelve you can you can read those verses from 9 to 23 observe the difference observe observe what he says that everyone is under that there is no one just There's no one that seeks after God. There's no one that does good. How many? There's none good. We know that the word of God. That a lot say that they are good, but the scripture says otherwise, that they themselves are not good. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, also, something very important is to share the law, the Ten Commandments, and where is this shown in Deuteronomy 5 and Exodus 20. Because with the law of God, we can show them that they are guilty of sin. We must point them to the law of God about false witness, about stealing, about wrath, everything that goes against God. Because we had just told them that God is perfect, that he is the creator of everything, that he is the owner of everything. And we must show them the contrast that man is not perfect. We must show them and show them the the sin of those lies that they have done against the Holy God. Solomon confirms this by saying that surely there is no righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. This is not something that we should tell people. This is an invention of mine. No, we must tell them by the word of God. I am not making this up. This is what the scripture says. Ecclesiastes 7:20, Romans 6:23, Romans 3:23. Now, finally, if you had time, you could read Leviticus chapter 5, verse 17 for later. We must take people so that they could see their sin how it really is. Just be faithful. To the scriptures. Because sometimes we say. This person practices adultery. They are thieves and robbers. Sometimes like this problem about homosexuality. How the government is so pro with this. You can preach the faithfulness of God's word about homosexuality, without even so talking about sexual homosexuality, and you can just read to them the Word of God. It's because the Word of God is going to tell them that homosexuality is a sin, because the Scripture says it is not. Well, that it is an abomination for man to sleep with man, to lie down with another man. You could take them to Romans 1. We must utilize the word of God. We cannot be wise upon our own eyes, but rather we must be wise what the scripture says. Guide them to the truth of what the Word says. Defend by naming what is what, what is biblical, what is sin. Do not compromise the Word of God. Have the wisdom that you may ask the Lord how to use the fundamentals, the truths that God has given you to share it to those who you are witnessing to Romans chapter the book of Romans is a great a great book to share about sin. For example, Romans six verse twenty three the wages of sin is death. It is sad that because there are some that when we share the gospel to some, there are some that always say, well, I'm not a bad sinner like they are. I still believe I am a good person because I have not committed this sin or that sin. There are people who justify themselves even so according to their own commandment, even according to God's commandments. Because in the book of James, it speaks of he who knows what the law is but does not do it, it is sin. Because, because we know that there are things in the scripture, commandments that the Lord calls us to do. And when we do not obey, we are disobeying. Man believes that they are good. The law is our guide. Do not not be disappointed. Even if the person does not pay attention, keep praying and praying for that person. So, if all men are sinners, God is perfect, and as creator and owner of everything. He commands us to be holy as He is holy. And as we see that we cannot be perfect as He is perfect, because we see in the scriptures that man is sin. This is the second truth. The third truth of the fundamental truth of this morning is Jesus is the only Savior. Number one, God is perfect. Number two, man is imperfect. Number three, Jesus is the only Savior. So now that God desires that we be like him, perfect as he is perfect, what must we do? Jesus is the only Savior. This truth is important to analyze. Analyze not only because of its scope, but also because of of which way Jesus accomplished this great salvation. Because we must point to people that Jesus was hundred percent God and a hundred percent man we cannot we cannot just say Jesus is your friend and he is your good um, best friend We must tell them that God, uh, that Christ is truly man and truly God that he never that he never sinned. The apostle Paul says in Colossians chapter 2 verse 9, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He was truly man, truly God, 100% God, 100% man. We cannot say that Jesus, um, became God incarnate, but then left aside his deity. No. We cannot dare to say that because that goes against the reality of the scriptures because we know that Jesus is God incarnate, but also that he had his humanity. He was, he was tempted in all ways, but yet he did not sin. Philippians chapter 2 verse 6 says this about Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. Who, being in the form of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking a form of a servant, being made in the likeness of man, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, And became obedient to the point of death. And even death on the cross. In his humanity. In his humanity. Not only did he humble himself. If all these gods really existed. They would not want to humble themselves and become man. Or rather Christ humbled himself and became incarnate. The, the number one truth is that God became incarnate. What great love of Christ That he that he humbled himself. It is like if it's like if you're it's like if you say, I'm a human, but then I am going to turn into a worm. Or if you turn yourself into a cockroach. If you could do that to do something correct, you wouldn't. Because you say I don't want to be a rat or cockroach. It's because we love ourselves so much and we have such a, a great high, high self-esteem. We have such a high view of ourselves and a low view of God. But we must remember that He humbled Himself to bring you to accomplish God's Will. This is what should cause us to worship what a great example of submission to God the Father. He obeyed even even to the point of death, the death of the cross. Not only was it the most terrifying, terrible death, the cross, but it was the most humiliating point of death. It was the most humiliating way to die. Because the people that will walk outside the city will see someone hung up on the cross. We see we see in the scriptures and the gospels people wagging their head as they're walking by. That is our savior. A hundred percent God 100% man. We must recognize him as as us being Christians. But we must also bring that to the table to those who are lost. In Matthew chapter 4 verses 1 through 7, he was We know that he was tempted in all things and yet without sin. He reproved Satan. How did Jesus respond to this temptation in Matthew 4? Jesus gave us how we ought to respond to temptation. And it is by the scripture. Because we must be faithful to what the scripture says. Because it is as when he said, It is written, it is written. We ought to say the same thing. It is written, it is written. Now, he wasn't only 100% man, 100% God. he died he died also for sins as brother jose said that he died for the sins but i'm not going to go in time and explain of sins of who because brother jose had already clarified of whose sin he died for Romans chapter 5 Romans chapter 5 is um is a great book in general Observe what Paul says in Romans chapter 5 verse 6 For Christ while we were yet without strength in due time died for the ungodly how Christ died for sinners, those who have completely sinned and continue to sin, yet He still died for the ungodly. But see what verse 8 says in chapter 5. But God commended His love toward us, In that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he had made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Brothers, through the death of Christ, there is restoration and reconciliation between god which was our point number 1 and man which was our point number 2 because by his death there could be a restored relationship 1 peter chapter 3 verse 18 for christ also suf- suffered once for sins the just for the unjust, that He might bring us to God. We must always point that Christ is a great Savior, that He never sinned, and that he died to pay for the penalty of sin. Now, number three of point number th- of point number three. One hundred percent, Jesus is one hundred percent man, one hundred percent God. Jesus is risen and lives today. These are small details, but that you must always have when you share the gospel with someone. That he rose from the dead, resurrected on the third day, ascended into heaven, and is right now at the Father's side. He did not say in the tomb, the tomb is empty. There's no one in that tomb. Christ rose. Paul knew that he didn't, he didn't have to invent anything. In 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 15, chapter, verse 3 and 4, for I delivered to you first of all. Don't invent anything. Do what Christ has commanded. For I delivered to you first and of all that which I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. It doesn't sound fancy, it doesn't sound the most dynamic or smart. This doesn't sound modern. Maybe the, the youth may say, Psh, okay, wow. But you must always preach the truth. Just as Paul received the truth, we must communicate also the truth as the Apostle Paul did as we share the gospel. It is an imperative. It is crucial that Jesus rose from the dead and is at the right hand of the father because because we don't have a small Christ we have a great Christ that rose and is seated at the right hand now we know these three truths that we just saw that God is perfect the owner of everything to man is imperfect a sinner Number three, we see that Jesus is the only one that can save. He is the Savior. He is the only one that can bring salvation. Now, the last point is, man must repent. Now, what does the word repent mean? It is not just to recognize that you're a sinner and saying, yeah, I am a sinner. Yes, I am a sinner. I have broken God's law. I am an enemy of God. It is. It does not mean just that. It is... It is an understanding of what you have done. Because the word means to change one's way of thinking. That that sin in which you once loved, you hate now. A true, genuine repentance has a a great implication of the transformation of the mind. Because there's no such thing as I am a child of God, I have repented and yet still live in the world. Because there are some that say that they themselves are saved but in reality they are themselves not saved when they continue to live in the world but call themselves saved. Because at the end the Lord will say depart from me I never knew you. Because we know hell is Real. Because they believe that they are serving God when in reality they are doing everything according to their own strength. Even when John the Baptist preached against the Pharisees, he told them clearly, who showed you these things. You must repent, you brought a vipers. Because there's nothing more saddening to believe that you are saved when in reality you are not. Because the only one that can bring to saving faith is by the conviction of sin by the Blessed Spirit. Because you must recognize that you have sinned against God and broken his law. And that also that it is only by Christ that you are able to be saved. Because Jose said earlier this morning, well, I I am saved and I can live however I want. No, that is not true. Because some may say, "Well, I earned my salvation, well, now I lost it. When you are saved, when you are saved, there's a there's a progress of sanctification that happens. Because when there's truly... Salvation, when there is truly repentance and regeneration, the fruit will be made evident. The mind is renewed, it is transformed. you love you love that which you once hated and you hate those sins and which you first loved. It is not, here, come forward, everyone. I'll give you a sandwich and write down your name and repeat this prayer. That is why Christ said in Luke 9.23, And he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. It's a supreme calling. But some may say, isn't that just a prayer of of a sinner's prayer? In the scriptures there's no so it doesn't speak of a sinner's prayer in the scripture. The only time we read something of that is in James chapter four when the elders are praying. It, It isn't just about saying repeat after me. You can, you can go and help them because, like in the book of Acts, the people were saying, brothers, what must we do? What the, what do we do? And what does Peter say? Repent. He doesn't say, repeat this, repeat this prayer, okay? Write this card and okay, you're like a Roman Catholic, you're saved, don't worry. Because in Romans chapter nine, for in chapters in Romans chapter ten, verse nine, says that if thou believe, if thou shalt confess with Thy mouth Jesus as Lord, and shall believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And some use this out of context to justify the sinner's prayer, but that is not the context. Rather, it is speaking of during the time of the Roman era that it was illegal to confess that Jesus was the only Lord. Because Paul makes the emphasis with the heart. Because it is not just a declaration with your mouth that says blah, 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 blah. But no, it is with the heart. Because this is what it refers to in the heart that there's a true change that is produced by the Holy Spirit. even if the whole society comes upon you. Now, you ask them this question and ask yourself this question. Will you repent and believe in Christ or remain under His wrath? Brothers, this morning we have analyzed these four truths, That will help you as you share the gospel with others. Are you willing to live for these truths and share them with others? Even even if it's going to cost you popularity, are you willing to share these truths with others Even if some may say, you have become crazy. Are you willing to share the truth that God is perfect, the owner of everything? Man is a sinner and imperfect. Jesus is the only Savior, and man must repay. Remember the words of our Lord. If we deny him on this earth right now, remember his words. If we deny him right now on this earth as we live, he will deny us before the Father when we stand before him. The questions on which to conclude. With our, do you understand these truths? Do you believe in these truths? And if so, are you willing to share these truths? We are in this conference to know what is a church? What is the gospel? What is the true biblical gospel? Let us pray. Lord, we give you thanks. Thanks. That by your word you help us. Lord only you know the hearts. Only you know the hearts. And which group we pertain in. Either the first or second. Please by. Through your Holy Spirit. May you please bring conviction. Of sin righteousness. So that. That we may understand these truths and that we may grasp them together. But that if we are the second group, that you may save those who are part of that second group. Yours is the salvation, Father. You own even the souls, please, Lord, do your will as you do in the heavens and in the earth. May you receive all the glory and we give you thanks in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, brothers.